Good morning, good afternoon and good evening to wherever and whenever you're listening to. This is the Peripety of Theatre podcast, Flipping the Script, with today's guest, Saskia Pay. Saskia, great to have you here today. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well. Productive morning, to say the least. Now just chilling out, getting ready to um, hopefully have some sort of interesting insight into your life and career on this, uh, <laughs> on this episode. Yeah. yeah, it's good to be here. So let's get into it then. Um, what are you within the industry? What would you classify yourself as? Okay, so I trained as an actor. Um, before I was an actor, I was a singer. And during drama school, I started writing and rapping. Um, so now my Twitter bio reads actor, writer, singer, rapper. But my invoices also say host, because since leaving, I've also hosted a lot of events, um, kind of musical theatre events and Mamma Mia brunches and things like that. Mm. So a bit of everything, but I'm primarily an actor with a few more strings to my bow. I mean, it's always nice to have those few more strings in terms of creative output. Yeah, definitely. And to have like, I feel like since I started making my own work, it's so nice to have more creative control. So I think mm. if you can if you can be doing stuff yourself and writing and making stuff yourself, then it feels pretty rewarding and it's nice to have a bit of control in my own career. And I think it's also when you work with other people on projects, you have more of a understanding and sort of appreciation for what they do, having been there uh, yourself. A hundred percent. Like I think um since like writing more I look at acting differently because you think more from the writer's perspective as well as the actor's perspective so it's definitely good to get a to know as much as you can about as many areas of the industry because it only informs your own practices in whatever your art form is yeah definitely let's move then into the first memory of the the arts what is your first memory okay so when I was oh god I was little and we went to centre parks as a family and this is like a story that was always told throughout my family whenever we met new people they'd be like oh she's the performer like this happened my sister had gone to a craft day I think it was in centre parks um learning how to make scarecrow models and everyone was busy like getting on with their arts and crafts and out of nowhere I like just stood up and started singing, I don't know if you know it as a song, I'm a dingly dangly scarecrow with a flippy floppy hat. And, I can't um, say I've I come across that. I can't say I've come across that. It's a classic. I think I'd been taught it in like nursery or something. And I got up and just sang that. And apparently everyone stopped what they were doing and all just turned around and like watched me. And my sister was fuming because she just made this amazing scarecrow. And like everyone in the room was just staring at her very confident little sister who was there singing I'm a dingly dangly scarecrow. So I, I like to think that was the first kind of insight into me kind of going into the performing arts but also my mum always told the story of when we went to see Greece and I was really little and the whole time I was dancing in the aisles and the front of house people kept trying to like usher me back into my seat and I just kept escaping again and at the end Danny Zuko like threw his comb out to me in the audience and I was so just chuffed with that so I, I, I feel like I'm lucky that I've, my parents took me to see theatre and like music when I was quite young. So I feel like it's really kind of in, maybe not theatre, but definitely an appreciation of the arts is like in my veins, which is lovely. And then how did that develop through childhood, those sort of memories of the arts, taking that initial drive? I always wanted to play saxophone and I always wanted to sing. So I went to like, like a little singing club that a lovely woman in my like small I grew up in a small market town in Wales Mm. where there was 
not much in the way of arts. There was a, um, a small kind of local Amdram company that you kind of had to be in to be in and I could never get in. But there was a woman in our town that ran like a kid's singing club. So I used to go to that like just after school and stuff. And then I got my saxophone when I was in like year three maybe and was obsessed with it. My sister used to make fun of me because she said <laughs> she thought I just wanted to be Lisa Simpson, which is why I wanted to play saxophone. Um, but I really enjoyed that. And then when I went to secondary school, I kind of dropped the saxophone a bit and did more of the singing. I did any like community projects I could. And then when I was probably in like year six, there was an opportunity. There's a Wales Millennium Centre, which is a big venue in Cardiff. And they were opening and they were looking for like a community choir to join this opera that was happening there called The Most Beautiful Man from the Sea. And I applied for that and got in that. So I got to perform in the Wales Millennium Centre when I was like 10 or 11 in front of like a huge venue. Didn't really think anything of it. And off that, I joined the Welsh National Opera's like child singing group and spent every Saturday for like six years maybe with them just training mm. and did, did a couple of shows with them and went on the road which was amazing and I had no idea what stage fright was because I was like 12 <laughs> playing these massive venues and but that was all in Russian and like it was all like classical music and then I I got to maybe year nine in school and I was like I don't want to sing in Russian anymore so then I turned to musical theatre more. I did a production with Youth Music Theatre UK, who uh, were like a national theatre company for musical theatre for young people. And then I also joined the National Youth Theatre of Wales, although it took me three times trying to get in. It's very competitive. So I did I did quite a bit before going to drama school, but like it's important to say that it took me four years to get onto my drama school degree because the industry is just tough. Um, so I just made the most of my gap years and everything I could to kind of set myself up, I guess. And I think it's definitely known within the industry that it, it takes time if you, if you want to get to a certain level, especially with drama schools. People try four or five, six times even to get in. 100%. And I think my first year, I wasn't ready at all. Like, my my school was great, but they didn't really have... The drama department was one person. Like, there wasn't a big focus on the performing arts. They were way more interested in trying to get people into Oxbridge or law degrees. And when I turned around and said I wanted to go to drama school, they were like, okay, yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. <laughs> and so my when I first applied, I got a recall one place, I think a GSA for musical theatre, um, but everywhere else got a straight no. And then... I just worked on myself, worked on my craft. And then the second and third year, I was on reserve place. So I, I had reserve offers. So I was waiting for somebody to drop out, break their leg, don't know, fall over, t- decide I want to do a different career, but it didn't happen. <laughs> so it was it's frustrating because I've sat on the panel for Lippa. Two years I've sat on the panel. And it's so hard. There's so much to it beyond like just being good. You know, it's looking at people's potential. It's looking at who else you've got in the year group. I know some drama schools at the time of audition are casting their third year shows before people have even got in. They're thinking, oh, well, in three years time, we want to do Romeo and Juliet. Well, we've got a Romeo, but we haven't got a Mercutio, so we better sort that out. And they think they think like that yeah. while they're auditioning to get into drama school, which just blows my mind. Yeah, but I'm 100% like happy now that I had so much rejection before I even came because now I'm in the industry. It's like I get a no and I'm like, okay. Yeah. It, it hurt. I feel like it hurts less because I'm so used to it, I think, which is a good 
a good thing to have in the industry as backwards as it sounds yeah no it definitely strengthens your character with sort of rejection side the more rejections we get but i think the more stronger that we become as individuals yeah and like more i think it makes me more confident in a mm. weird way like saying like oh get, getting no's makes you feel more confident but there's something about having to like brush yourself off and get back up again and also not seeing it as a reflection of like your character or your skill or you as a person just knowing that the industry is just that it's just an industry so as much as everyone's in it for the love of of the art sometimes it comes down to the big wigs in charge with all the money or it comes down to you know it can, it can be anything it can be like oh well they've just cast my love interest and he's six foot three and I'm five foot three and that'll look silly on stage if there's a foot between us and it doesn't fit with the characters or or whatever so it's just being able to be like nope not personally not not my problem onto the next one which is a nice place to be in now I'm sure I've not always been that way but I feel quite comfortable in my rejections now and I I think it helps with sort of the, the past year that we've all had with Covid it helps us sort of be robust towards those situations that it's out of your hands that you, you're not able to sort of deal with everything so we, we take it as each day comes yeah I remember my one of my best friends in drama school her dad always told her so she always told me control the controllables and let the uncontrollables sort themselves because like if you there's no like I can't control the fact we're in a national lockdown what I can control is what I do in my day or being nice to myself or treating people around me well or what kind of passion I put into my work but I can't control a new variant of covid so I think that's always stuck with me control the controllables and now my partner always says it back to me because he's like an echo chamber so I say it to him when he's stressing out and then when I'm stressing out he'll just turn to me and go control the controllables I'm like okay <laughs> It helps. It definitely helps. Definitely. It's something that I might pinch off you about to uh, say to myself every now and again. (laughs) Write it somewhere you can see it. Yeah. Control the controllables. Before we talk about sort of that university experience at drama school, I'd like to take it back a little bit. You was in the National Youth Theatre of Wales. How was that? Amazing. I loved it. I did two years with them. So we're very, well, I was very lucky at the time National Youth Theatre of Wales was very heavily subsidised. So I couldn't really afford to go to National Youth Theatre of Britain because the fees were crazy. Um, But National Youth Theatre of Wales at the time, I know they struggled with funding a bit since, had a really good subsidised program that everybody on the course got heavily subsidized by I think it was the Arts Council of Wales and I just loved being with like like like-minded people all of the people who were doing the course like running the course were teachers at drama schools directors in the industry and we worked with like frantic assembly on one of our shows people who are people like really people Mm. I look up to and people who I still look up to in the industry. So it was amazing to be, I think that was the first time that I got treated like a professional. Mm. Even though we were in a youth company, we were very much treated and they said to us at the start, we're going to treat you like we would treat an adult company of professionals. We just brought in and hired and auditioned. So it was the first time I really got treated like a professional and it it was amazing and I made such good friends there that I still have really good contacts in the industry. And there's something about being an alumni of and I think it's the same with National Youth Theatre of Britain but if you meet someone and they've done National Youth Theatre Wales like there's instantly a connection because you'll definitely know about 50 people the same but also there's an understanding of like okay I know you I know I know a bit what you're about 
because there's almost like a family of people who were part of the National Youth Theatre of Wales and still are. I feel like once once you're a member, you're always in there, if you get me. Yeah, it's almost finding your bearings and finding sort of who your family members are. It's crazy. And your confidence. Yeah. Like, I think I gained a lot of confidence. Just, I think it is being treated like a professional. Like, it was like they weren't waiting for us to do something wrong. They were just expecting us to turn up and do our job which we did and had a lot of fun hard work but a lot mm. of fun is there any sort of production that you did with national youth theater of wales that really spoke out to you um we did caucasian chalk circle and and that was directed by bruce guthrie who is a really well-renowned director mm. and we did that in collaboration with a choreographer called Simon who was from Frantic Assembly we were just doing a Frantic Assembly warm-up every single day um so starting with like a 45 minute physical warm-up hard hard stuff (laughs) the first day we were all like oh my god amazing how fit we got after like three weeks just doing that every day and Bruce is amazing and the work he's he'd done before but has gone on to do was insane and it was a very collaborative production so um everyone was kind of multi-rolling um I got a chance to do puppetry I'd never properly done puppetry before and I got to try out puppetry and get a proper puppetry training down to how is the puppet breathing and how would the limbs move but making puppets out of things you'd find around the house it was Mm. insane so much fun and we sung and there was movement and dance and it was, it was the kind of theatre that I like, I really get excited by. I really get excited by theatre that's multidisciplinary and you do a bit of everything and you're singing and you're acting and you're dancing a bit and moving a bit and oh, there's a bit of puppetry and, and I love, I get excited by things like that. So I think to be, that was the first time I was in a show that was really multidisciplinary and that felt really special, I think. And I think it's fundamental having those skills that are sort of the the beginning of your career that you can hone into and sort of develop as your career progresses, especially when when being sort of part of a youth company. Yeah, definitely. And just like the puppetry thing, like I don't put that down on my CV as something I'm particularly skilled at, but I have been in auditions since graduating where they'll just bring along a puppet and be like, oh, have a go. And to have, to be able to go to my brain and be like, right, when you were 17, 18 remember back to that you know four-hour workshop on puppetry and think about what they said and be like okay how's the puppet breathing and just little things like that it sticks it sticks with you every little workshop you gain something so yeah I'm really grateful for the time I had there and then moving into drama school then what 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 were the challenges that you faced there so I actually did a foundation year before I went to do my degree so I knew that my two favorite schools were Lipper and Rose Bruford loved them both loved their ethos uh loved the way they encouraged people to make their own work that was a big thing for me and I kept getting to final round for Lipper Ambrose Bruford kept getting on reserve list for Lipper and then the year before I did my degree I'd been working in retail for two years and just kind of saving up a pot of money not really sure what for I just work for a bit and then go on a weekend away with a friend and then work for a bit and I was just I was just living to work and try and get into drama school so then when I got offered the foundation I always thought I wouldn't take a foundation I always thought it was a waste of money or you know it was a bad idea but the foundation course in Lipper was only 12 people which is tiny it was the best investment I've ever made into myself it was the first time I got a proper training like proper proper training and really geared me up and then my final year of auditioning I got final round I think everywhere I went because I was just so hot and on it and confident I think that was the main thing I was so confident in myself and just you know assured that I was in the right place and that really showed so then I got onto the degree after the foundation which I was very grateful for because I think 
there was four four or five of us off the foundation that got in so I felt very lucky to get a place and I think my first year I relaxed a bit because I wasn't so worried about trying to get into drama school which was good but I think the, some of the stuff I enjoyed the most was the stuff I didn't think I'd like so some movement classes I really really enjoyed and I've never been I can dance ish I can move well but I like when I get like a routine and someone teaches it to me so to go into like movement improvisation classes where they just say go that terrified me at first that was absolutely terrifying I remember we did this exercise where the teacher had you had to pick three things out of a hat one was a number one was an object and one was a piece of music And a guy in my class picked out one person, uh, maybe 15 minutes, a table, no music. So he had to just stand up in front of the whole class and move around a table for 15 minutes with no music. And things like that terrified me. But I'm so glad I did it because now nothing that I can really get in an audition throws me off that much. Had wobble in second year because we could choose whether we wanted to do writing, musical theatre, directing or producing as a special module. And I chose writing. And I wrote a piece, uh, a section of a one-woman play that was quite controversial. It was all about sex masturbation sexuality just somebody being quite like frank and open and honest not in a not in a unnecessarily graphic way but just in an honest way that I thought blokes would talk like so why can't girls talk like and I went on stage and I did a section of this for a showing and we had two or three complaints from people in the audience. I initially was like, I've done something really wrong. I've done something really bad. Like, I should never have done that. And then my writing teacher, who's called Stuart Crowther, he's amazing. He's a writer and a director and a lecturer and wonder man. And he sat me down and was like, anything that's ever made a big stir has always had praise and complaints. Like yeah. some of the theatre, some of the theatre productions that have gone down most in history have been ones that have had shocking reviews and massive complaints and he was like people are talking like if people are talking then it's still a good thing so after about three months of still feeling really shit about it I suddenly woke up and was like okay no that was a thing that happened and there was also a really good response a lot of girls came up to me and were like thank you for saying all that because we wouldn't so I think just finding the confidence to just go with my gut and try not to care about criticism I think is was a big thing for me understanding how critics normally take your work that again that's a a, a uncontrollable thing that you've got you you can only control of what you you've given out there you can't control of what someone else perceives your work to be like I actually read a quote the other day that was like uh your job is a hundred percent complete before anyone even receives it and anyone forms an opinion Mm. so your job as a creator is done when you put it out there then the people receiving it and having a reaction that's not part of your job that's not your job has already been done and you've already done it successfully because you've done the job um and that really helped and that's something i really have to sit in now a lot as well um now i create a lot of content and write a lot of content trusting my gut and pressing send and then letting it go off into the world and then not really trying to look at the reaction too much is big for me. It's giving into the universe. It's what will be, will be. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And there's always going to be horrible people on the internet that are going to comment on your things saying horrible things. So just leave them to it. It's their issue, not yours. Well, give us a rough guidance towards the most recent productions that you've done, the most recent work. Most recently in the last year i've been doing a lot of work with a company in cardiff called oh my days production and they made a call out during lockdown for a project called the democracy box 
which is all about democracy and spreading the word to young people about what democracy is and not party politics but democracy so understanding the fundamentals of having the vote who is in charge of what in your local area things like that Um, and I joined them about a year ago and that's kind of culminated in a series of raps I wrote about democracy getting commissioned by BBC Bite Size which I never thought would happen (laughs) that blows my mind a bit so that took over quite a lot of my lockdown in the best way possible it was amazing and I feel like I've been validated a bit now about my rapping to be like oh yeah people like kids in school are gonna sit there and watch my rap series and learn something from it and it's really nice because people have got in touch and said that they have like registered to vote and things after watching our content um so that's been really kind of it's been really enjoyable but also I feel like it's been worthwhile been quite rewarding to know that we're making a difference so the bbc bite size project with the oh my days thing was a big part of the lockdown and i've also started producing videos of sketches and that i write for bbc sesh which is the bbc's social media platform my second bbc sesh video is coming out soon which is exciting and then i was with her productions which hannah mcdonald who's a member of the company as well don um so we were really lucky that we got to go into hope mill theater just as lockdown was easing this year to rehearse and perform pure which was a a new piece of writing and we didn't get an audience but we did get streamed so it got filmed and it got streamed out and that felt so joyous and i felt so lucky to be back in the room with creatives socially distanced on our (laughs) designated chairs with our designated spots on the floor but that felt amazing so I'm just I feel very lucky to have been able to work throughout the pandemic but I also I'm I'm thankful for my brain (laughs) for like for writing stuff and making stuff because I feel like without me being able to go to companies and saying I do this I make this I write this I think it would be been a bit of a clunkier ride but I'm really excited to just do more of acting (laughs) just do some more of like what what I trained for and to get back on stage is going to be amazing so I'm excited for that. I mean talk us a bit about Pure with that streamed performance how was that for you that's something that's brand new to everyone. It was challenging definitely just because there's a real it's a bit clunky that you're on stage but there's no audience Mm. and yet you have cameras in front of you so you feel like you should be acting more for screen yet you're sat on a stage with an empty audience so there is definitely it's a little bit disjointed um but i think we all just had to give in to the situation and say right this is what we've got and everyone just kind of went with it which made it easier we all just committed and went with it but i think I mean, we're lucky that we had it because the fact we have the technology to be able to do streaming is incredible and we would not have been able to do anything during the pandemic if it wasn't for being able to stream. But yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was, it's just, I can't, I would have loved to have an audience there. Yeah. But we did have a screening online um, with a Q&A after and that was really lovely because we could kind of get some feedback from the audience that were watching so it was almost like they were with us but it was it was weird because we filmed it and then it went out maybe two weeks after so we'd done it and then we was everything was still closed because we were all social distance and locked down mm. so we finished and i went home and had a glass of wine and a curry <laughs> <laughs> but not with any of the cast we couldn't even have 
after show drinks or an after show party so that's coming up we're owed an after show party now things are starting to open up again we'll have to get that organized but it, it was great and I feel like all of us feel like we went through something together because we were all part of that strange clunky new thing that we had to figure out so I yeah I'm really I'm really grateful that I got to be part of it and I have wanted to be able to get into Hope Mill like that was one of the places when I moved to Manchester that I was like I really want to perform there so I'm still going to count it even though there wasn't an audience because yeah. I was on that stage just with no audience but um yeah it was just lush to be in the building what's the most unusual job that you've taken i've had so many jobs i i get quite well people call them like muggle jobs mm. i get quite bored with muggle jobs if i don't feel like they're fulfilling me mentally so i tend to hop about quite a bit the weirdest one i've had when i worked in my maybe my first or second summer from drama school, I was skint. Um, I worked my whole way through drama school in a box office and loved that in the Liverpool Empire. But at the summer, I was like, I need to get some money. So I worked in my local supermarket on the butchers and deli counter, which is funny because I'm a vegan and um, I've actually been veggie all my life. So I've never really handled meat. And I remember my first day I was on the deli counter a woman asked me to slice some ham for her. So I was slicing it off the bone. Bizarre for a vegan. And I, she said to me, can you not put so much fat on it? Can you avoid the fat? And I had to turn to her and was like, what's the fat? And she was like, the white bit. Don't cut the white bit. So um, that's probably the weirdest job I've had. Yeah, a vegan as a butcher. I think that's um, interesting. But I surprisingly yeah. got through it. I just had to think of it as like, it's money, it's money. You're paying for your weekly shop. Just get on with it. Yeah. So I did. Would I do it, it again? Maybe not. Maybe it's a role that you could play with in the future, vegan butcher. The vegan butcher, maybe. Maybe that's a play to be written. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any recommendations for us today? Any books, any films? I mean, TV shows. I'm proper basic bitch. So I'm... <laughs> I'm well into The Office US at the moment. That's something we've discovered in lockdown. If you've not watched it, try it. I can't compare to the UK one because I can't bear to watch that until I finished all the US one. I'm slowly working my way through Afterlife by Ricky Gervais. I think it's great. I lost my mum in lockdown, um, which was really difficult. But I think his work is really brave and honest and really speaks, I think, to everyone that would watch that. So I... I'm taking my time to read it, like to watch it slowly, but that's, I think, really strong. I'm working for the Manchester International Festival as a box office assistant, and I'm really glad to have a part of it because the lineup for the festival this year is insane. Yeah. So I think anyone who's in the Manchester area should definitely get down to the Manchester International Festival. There's loads of free events, um, there's quite a lot of theatre, there's a, a fab company that I've auditioned for before called Theatre Rights and they make uh, family theatre but they use puppetry and singing and movement and they're really cool with everything they do. Yeah, definitely get down to the Manchester International Festival if you're around. Yeah, I just, I'm just really excited to get back and see some live theatre, I think. And to go to the cinema. I really want to get to the cinema. I've not been in so long. So I'm excited to just see some new films and see something that's not off my Netflix, I think. Be there with the popcorn, feeling it with yeah. the people. Having to take down your mask every 30 seconds to yeah. have another handful of popcorn. Definitely with the Manchester International Festival, I think they've sort of come this year with a huge bang to hopefully celebrate coming out of lockdown and all the various different skills and showcases that they're doing. It sounds really huge. And... Yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting. And then with that, there'll be the reopening of all the 
theatres in Manchester and I think they're all going to open with a, a killer programme and yeah it's just going to be amazing I think we'll appreciate it 10 times more just to be sat in a theatre seat and and ready I've got my tickets for rent at Hope Mill as well and I'm so excited for that even though that's months away yeah get me back in the room with people singing <laughs> it, it's true with the saying so you don't know how good you had it until it's gone I think we, yeah. we definitely feel like that with theatre yeah definitely definitely and the cinema get me my overpriced popcorn mm. <laughs> sweet or salted oh a mix oh yeah sweet and salty but actually I say get me my overpriced popcorn I'm stingy so I'll pop to Tesco across the road and I'll get a sweet and salty bag and bring it in myself yeah maybe with it maybe with a tinny if you're feeling a bit naughty hide it under your jacket so we don't have to search it yeah, I don't think it's illegal. You're fine. No. <laughs> Final question then. If you could talk to someone younger than yourself, what message would you give them? I would say look after yourself first. So the industry is great and having a passion is great. But if you're not well yourself, then you can't be well for anyone else or your craft or your job. In lockdown, I started journaling and it completely changed the game for me. Having to sit down every day and write uh, three things I appreciate, three things that went well in my day, one thing I do better. I think it works differently for everyone. Some people really get on with yoga or meditation. For me, it's just taking five minutes in the morning to sit and write my little notebook of what I'm grateful for and what I want to achieve in the day. And it can be a really simple thing I want to achieve, but just being able to tick that off feels nice. And I think looking after yourself physically has always been a thing in the industry there's always been this pressure for everyone to be super fit or super skinny or whatever not that that's healthy but looking after minds has not always been at the forefront Mm. and I think for me as somebody who's had rocky mental health I think it is so important to look after yourself and it comes back to doing what you love and what you enjoy so if something is not serving you mentally and positively then why are you doing it so I think yeah I would say look after yourself first you are enough as as, you know cheesy as it sounds and there's only one of you like your unique selling point is just that you're you so much pressure for everyone to have a, a USP that's really specific and wacky but just being yourself is more than enough and you should never have to change yourself to fit into a hole in the industry because there is a u-shaped hole and it's already there ready for you to fill I think definitely that look after yourself is a great message to finish on with today. Sasha Curie, it's been lovely to have you here. Thank you for coming on board and having a talk with us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you on the next episode. Take care.